Our lives are increasingly shaped by statistics and data. However, they remain concepts that can be difficult for broad audiences to understand. A number of outlets, including this one, have sprung up to help make them more accessible. Today, another one, the Not-So-Standard Deviations podcast, is the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me as always is regular panelist John Baylor, Chair of Miami Statistics Department. Our guests today are the two hosts of the Not-So-Standard Deviations podcast. Hillary Parker is a data scientist, previously of Stitch Fix, Etsy, and the 2020 Biden for President campaign. Her work focuses on the intersection of data science and product, from deeply understanding users to designing new experiences that depend on innovative data pipelines and client interactions. Roger Ping is a professor of biostatistics at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and the co-director of the John Hopkins Data Science Lab. His research focuses on the development of statistical methods for addressing environmental health problems, and he's made major contributions to our understanding of the health effects of indoor and outdoor air pollution. Ping's the author of the popular book, Our Programming for Data Science, and 10 other books on data science and statistics. He's also a fellow of the American Statistical Association. Roger and Hillary, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. What a great intro. (laughs) I I just wonder how your podcast was born. Uh, Well, uh, that's a good question. It's been a couple of years now, so I have to remember. Uh, (laughs) um, Revisionist history already? Come on, Roger. (laughs) Well, so Hillary graduated from uh, the Department of Biostatistics at Johns Hopkins, so I knew her for quite some time. But we kind of went our separate ways after her. She graduated, and then she and I met up at a conference. I guess it would have been in 2015. And just started talking, and after we met at the conference, I emailed her and just said, hey, you know, would you want to start a podcast about data science? Yeah, and the subject, I do remember the subject of that email was, I want to broadcast your voice to the world. Oh, (laughs) boy, that's brilliant, Roger. I would have said yes, absolutely. (laughs) It was very effective, very effective. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I think the the general idea is to kind of, I like to kind of create a podcast that I like to hear, which is, you know, two people who are knowledgeable talking about, you know, what it is that they do and just kind of the ins and outs of their lives and their jobs and kind of how, how it works and, uh, and kind of con- in a conversational way. So that's try to, I think we tried to do that and I think we were successful. <laughs> I think something I'll add is that while I was at Hopkins, Roger actually had started this kind of weekly casual meeting with faculty and students called Tea Time where we were discussing the week, it was the day after a weekly seminar. And so we would get together and ostensibly talk about that, but also talk about just whatever was going on. And Roger, you were, I was in charge of tea time for a while as a grad student, and Roger was like a very regular participant. And so I feel like we kind of became friends there. And then there was an idea with this podcast of like emulating that again, like the types of conversations we had there. Can we just kind of continue having them? at a distance so well that it's it's clear that you have a, a, a just a great rapport as as part of the conversation on on your show if you continue taking this time machine back what what was your first episode oh i think um <laughs> <laughs> that's a really hard one isn't it <laughs> well we we literally just recorded our 144th episode so Congrats. it's, it's <laughs> that's awesome it does take a while to go back uh, our, our first 
couple episodes I, I struggled to even listen to because first of all we had like no equipment and we had no uh, you know we were just recording off of I think our phone headphones and uh I think the, the first episode was just what should we name this podcast essentially <laughs> We also talked about this community building or like creating different spaces within the R community, the stats community, because we talked a lot about at the time, a friend of mine and myself were at uh, a use R conference and somehow like someone had a picture of a cat in their slides and we were like, oh, we love that. And we were kind of aware of the fact that we were only like some of the only women at this conference. And so somehow this turned into a Twitter to hashtag of our cat ladies. Like, okay. <laughs> people who are in our and so we actually talked about that, I think in the first episode as yeah. well, about like kind of feeling like we didn't quite fit into like sports statistics or this community. So it was a little bit of like, here's the ways we've tried to like kind of subvert or create our own thing and made stickers for our cat ladies eventually. <laughs> I know nothing about R. I mean, truly. I mean, I know a little tiny bit from like talking to people, but I feel like I need one of those stickers if you make. <laughs> I need to reprint. I think I ran out. And so I just need to go and like reorder them. They were, I, I really enjoyed that process because someone came, I, I put the, des, I had like a designer contribute and they made, the sticker has a cat just like lying on a keyboard of a laptop, which I think if you own a cat, you've had that experience at some yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with newspapers preceding that is in there, the history yeah. of my cat experience. Exactly. I, so. I wonder if there's been a topic that for you that if it has been sort of tricky to kind of figure out how to talk about. So I I am I I know stats, but obviously not as well as Mr. Baylor over here. And there are definitely times in the podcast where he says something or a guest will say something and I just look at him and like, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, for me there's often lots of things that I'm trying to figure out like how to communicate well. And I wonder if there was something for you guys as you were sort of working your way through this that you really had a tricky time figuring out how to talk about in a way that is accessible to someone listening to a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we tried to figure out essentially what the tone of the podcast was for a while. Um, but actually, one of the questions that came up, on, I think, in the very first episode uh, was, I, you know, we talked about how it's hard to kind of tell to, to, to tell someone how to do a good data analysis. Um, and I, I often have students come up to me after, you know, I used to teach a methods class and they'd be like, well, I know all these methods, but what do I do now? Right? Like, <laughs> like now I've got this data set, I got these methods. Now what do I do? Right? And to be honest, that has been a theme of our podcast the entire time. I think it's been the running, um, topic. And I think we've struggled to kind of answer that question. Like the question of like, you know, what do I do for now? Six years, you know, mm -hmm. almost over six years, actually. Um, yeah. And it's just been, and so that's been not, it, the challenge has not so, been so much technical as it has just been more, I mean, I think more deep in terms of like, how, what do we, what is the actual theoretical basis or what is the actual fundamentals of, you know, analyzing data and, and doing it well. And I think, you know, to your point of the other person saying that you like have no clue what they're saying or just these questions without answers, I think what has ended up being the most fun about the podcast is that we end up working through problems with the audience. Mm. And so I think that gives like some, I think that makes it more accessible. I know that the feedback we've gotten from, especially like beginners is that it's nice to hear people 
like be more vulnerable and say like I don't know the answer I think a lot of data scientists are used to kind of presenting like here's the answer to this and I know some other podcasts have taken that approach and like we were just not the personality type to want to do like let's talk about this method today or let's like dig into this and so not everyone will feel comfortable with that. And I don't think, you know, that's, I don't think everyone should feel comfortable with that. Or, I mean, ideally everyone could feel comfortable with that, but that's not where everyone's at, I guess. And so I think that we haven't had a lot of issues where it's like, ooh, I don't know what to talk about because that's sort of the the premise of the podcast is that we don't know, but we're going to talk about it. And then the other thing I was going to say is that We've actually made progress. Like, I feel like I've learned a ton from having this consistent conversation about, like, what is data analysis? And so that was that was just totally unexpected for me that I would learn things and then give talks about it. And now I feel like more of an authority on certain things, all because of, like, doing a podcast. (laughs) That was not expected. Yeah. I totally understand that because I definitely feel like I have a much better understanding of stats than I did coming into this. So thank you, Mr. Bailey. Oh, well, Ms. <laughs> Pennington, it's a pleasure. And I, and I would say I've learned a lot more about journalism, too. I mean, we picked yeah. we picked kind of different uh, different perspectives in sort of coming to this this podcast. And and just, just hearing kind of the perspective of how, of how journalists process and think about stories and how they take the results of statistical analysis has really been a blessing to me in terms mm-hmm. of, of learning that that foundational idea and how they think about things differently than I do. Definitely. Has there been a particular episode that that really generated just a, a just a lot of interest? You know, is there one that you would po- point to that was that you'd go, "Wow, I'm I, maybe you, you know, and did you predict it in advance?" I can answer the second question much more easily, which is that I've never been able to predict <laughs> when any episode would be at all popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- I, I know Hillary knows that, you know, there have been episodes where we're like, we, should we even publish this? <laughs> um, and, and then it generated all this discussion. Like I, I've never been able to, and then some episodes where you thought like, oh, that was a really great conversation. And then it's just like crickets, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Uh, uh, so that, uh, so that's just in terms of like <laughs> the ability to determine what is popular is, uh, I, I, I don't have that ability. We have had a num- we have we don't normally have guests on our uh, on the show, um, but we have had a few guests uh, you know sprinkled throughout the six years, and those have always been really popular. Uh, I think episodes. So people people don't actually want to listen to us. Right, they're just waiting for the. <laughs> they're just waiting cool for guests. the guests, though. That also, I will say the one without a guest that was very popular was when I after the election when I kind of did a debrief on exactly what the election was like, especially the last election night and the the days leading up to that. So yeah, I guess, Roger, when we actually have a topic <laughs> or other people, those are popular episodes. <laughs> those tend to be popular, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. actually going to ask you about the, I mean, I have several episodes that I'm curious about, but I was actually going to ask you about the dive into the election data because that has become such a fraught conversation since the 2016 election, where yeah. everything was so, so quote unquote wrong. And I wonder sort of why you guys decided that you were going to dive into that, because my inclination is to like run in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. But I'm yeah. a coward. So. No, you're not. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't believe that. It's not true. But... I mean, I think part of the podcast is that we try to be really authentic with like what's on our mind this week. And so 
it was impossible to avoid that story. And I definitely, I know for a fact, I said things in the podcast right after 2016 that I'm like, ooh, I don't believe that anymore. You know, it was things like I was very, the content was driven by like, what was the thing that everyone was talking about that day, you know? Yeah. And I do, I did have more hesitation. I don't know about you, Roger, but like that was, it was such a fraught thing and like everyone felt so traumatized. Like we were clearly traumatized by it. Um, And so it, it was a little more fraught, but I I don't feel like I have anything profound to say exactly. Like we just kind of did it because that's, that was like the whole premise of the podcast. So. I, I do recall. I mean, two, two are just two really popular episodes that stuck out to me. Were one was when we did the book club actually, mm-hmm. um, with the uh, with the design thinking book. That was actually surprisingly popular because uh, we actually went into quite detail and people really stuck with it. It was interesting. And the other one was one episode where we talked about COBOL, and I think like every COBOL programmer in the universe came out of the woodwork and sent us an email about it. I yeah. mean, it was it was totally unexpected. I, so I was required to write a COBOL program in a Pascal programming class because wow. the, 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 the instructor said, you should have experience writing at least one. I just think COBOL really brings, brings out, you know, stirs the passions in people. <laughs> stirs the passions. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking to Roger Ping and Hillary Parker of the Not So Standard Deviation Podcast. I do have a question about one about TikTok. So I have an 18-year-old who we communicate by sending TikTok videos of animals, mostly. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I still don't really get TikTok because I'm just not a visual person. So I wonder, in your dive into TikTok, what did you guys learn and what should we understand as old people teaching young people about TikTok? Did we dive into TikTok? We did. What, yes, uh, you the, did. A little while ago. Uh, <laughs> oh my and, gosh. Um, I think we, I, it's fair to say that, I don't know if we died, we more dipped our toes, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, I feel like uh, some theme was being in the same boat of you of like, what are these young kids doing? Like, this <laughs> seems very foreign. And I guess we talked about the data of TikTok. I do now remember some right. of this. And I yeah. think I was skeptical that the algorithm that TikTok uses to suggest videos could have been, could have actually been that good and mm-hmm. that perhaps it was the data themselves, like the videos that are being made are actually just inherently better. And so the algorithm right. doesn't actually have to be that good. Yeah, um, we were talking. Yeah, I remember talking about like some the breakthrough that platform to some degree was just making it so easy to make really good content. Essentially so, to constrain the format. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to something like YouTube where it's totally unconstrained. Uh, but it's interesting to see other platforms now introduce those constraints um, because, uh, you know, and kind of, and now you can see other platforms that, you know, pe- people are making videos that are more uniform and more like, you know, everything on YouTube now is 20 minutes and, uh, and, and because of the oh. advertising structure and things like that. And so it's just, it's interesting to see how the kind of the rules of the platform also drive all the data into a certain format, essentially. Um, so. This is reminding me, though, I, who here has been following the Bones versus No Bones Day? I just figured TikTok. this out like two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of animal TikTok, that's been so fun. I, Roger, do you know this? I'm not on TikTok. It's like this 13-year-old pug, and every morning it's like in its little bed, and he's like, is it going to be a Bones Day or a No Bones Day? And he takes the pug and like like puts it like as though it's standing and then let's go and like most of the time the pug just like flops back over (laughs) 
And so that's a no bones day where you're supposed to like relax, take care of yourself, like get the bath bomb out. And then if it's a bones day, he like stays up for a minute. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but that's exactly the type of creativity that platform like inspires. Yeah, it's so fun. I don't know. Yeah. Even though I'm not on there and probably will not ever be on there because of the data concerns we've talked about. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll gladly like look at it in a signed off way. Yes. Yes. I, I am like kidding. Send me all of the links to videos. I'm not going to actually use it, but I do appreciate the videos. Right, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So I, you know, I, I'm still just struggling with cobalt stirring passion, but I. No, give, <laughs> yeah. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep processing that in the back of my mind. So I'm just curious. You know, you've you talked about a couple of these topics that you've selected. How, what's kind of a typical pathway to a to an episode for you? Uh, you know, is it loosey goosey? You know, show up on the mic and start, or is it you know stru- how much structure is in play in advance of of starting? So I, I just want to be clear. When I proposed this podcast to Hillary, I told her she would have to do no work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, bait and switch. Except to show up. Yep. He had to show up. And he's been totally true to that. Oh, is he? Good. So we call we call me the CEO and him the president because, like, <laughs> I'm just the figurehead and he does all the actual work. <laughs> right. See, Hillary speaks in talking points and I actually, like, dig up all the uh, information, right? Uh, yeah. No, I mean it's not very formal. Like uh, you know, I don't. We don't. We don't even have like an outline, <laughs> really. Um, but often, you know, we record every two weeks, uh, and in that, in each two week interim, often I'll just like save links to stories as you know as they come up, and then usually six years straight, uh, you know, every time we've shown up to record, there's been a list of things that you know we could pick from. Okay. Um, this recent stories are just things that I thought about in the middle of the week, or or experiences that Hillary had, and, you know. Um, yeah. And and usually we're not at a I, as you noticed, uh, you know, our episodes are longer and uh, we've never had a shortage of material, it seems. Yeah, I would say there's always like a background processing of, oh, that might be good for the podcast. So like some situation will arise or like some tweet or news story. And then it reminds me of the writers of Seinfeld. The the way that they wrote that show was just mining everyone's personal life. Yeah. It was like, can you and they would once people ran out, they'd like hire new writers to come in and then mine those people's personal life. So it's like to some degree like that, where at this point, even when I think about jobs, I'm like, would this be good content? So it's like, it's kind of like there to some degree all the time. But then we've kept it so casual. I think that's why we've run so long, because it's just like, oh, it's just like a fun conversation about things we're interested in. So it's not really that much work at all for me. As promised. More for Roger, yeah. Good for you, Roger. Good delivery. I think so, I lost out in the podcast situation here. You lost out. I have a lot of work that I do to prepare for this show. Oh, and I, I've, yeah. I've been, <laughs> and I, I, sip, I sip mint juleps while I sit on the back porch as we're getting ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me that, Rosemary. Uh, <laughs> no, Ro- Rosemary does a lot of work. It's just, I, But I think that we're, we're sort of in a similar uh, position in that we're often kind of just monitoring what we're seeing, what we're consuming. And, and it might be, you know, well, that'll end up with uh, news deserts might be something that comes up for us, thinking about journalism and its disappearance in kind of smaller communities. And so that, mm-hmm. so the, then it becomes, well, how would we talk about that? And who might we invite as a guest? So that's that kind of added twist of thinking about inviting others to, to be part of the conversation ends up being part of the monitoring. You know, mm-hmm, so... Mm-hmm. 
So you've been on my radar for quite a while, both of you. Let me let me let you. <laughs> John did mention journalism, so I wonder, given that you guys are sort of talking through these like data problems or statistics problems, I wonder what thoughts you have on the way. You know, data is covered. Like, there's all these stories constantly about big data. And, you know, certainly when Stitch Fix came out, there were a ton of stories about how that was working. And I wonder if you have thoughts on on what you think journalists do well when it comes to the coverage of stats or data stories and what you think they could do to improve that work. It's it's sort of just a huge coincidence because we were just talking about a data story in San Francisco that drove me up the wall. And that was not even covering data, but rather data journalism, where I, I felt like they fell into some, like, like some, they did some things that I think if you were more formally trained in statistics, you would know not to do. And so that can get really frustrating. And I can't totally fault anyone because it's like, if you're going to do all that training in statistics, you'd probably go into a stat job and like journalism is such a tough environment. So that can always be hard. And that's not, you know, this is like, obviously you guys are thinking about this a lot. Like, how do you do data journalism right? Again, we were just talking about this where it's like, I don't think... As a society, we have a great handle on this profession and this field and the realistic expectations around what the work is and what sorts of things you could expect from it. And that is in companies and on the inside as well as a broader societal thing. And so I can't like prescribe what's going wrong because it's like, well, this is kind of going wrong everywhere. And I don't even think there's like a right answer to it. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I think is not unique to journalism, but uh, journalism is a part of it. It's just because it's just the treatment of specific analyses and or maybe individual studies if they're like scientific you know, research. And I, and I think even in academia, there's a there's a tendency to want to, to, to assign like a huge amount of weight to a single investigation just is like you know this study is the answer or this study proves everything's wrong or you know or you know whatever it is it's hard to give up on just one study and be like well we have to look at a body of evidence and that's hard even for scientists and and you know others to do so but i think journalism kind of gets out there right the public the public is reading it and so they kind of get picked on a little bit but um and also you don't want to be like writing a review paper every time so i think it is a challenge to to say here's a study it's not definitive. Let's wait for more. Like I, that doesn't sound like a great news article to me, but unfortunately, I think that's kind of what it should be. I guess there is an aspect of, in some ways, data science positions itself as like let's not give in to the human impulse to like find patterns where there's not patterns or trust anecdotes rather than the larger body of evidence. So in some ways, they are at war with each other because that's what makes good journalism is like, let's have this macro thing. Let's zoom into some examples and have quotes from people. And then maybe it's like healthy tension where you, as a journalist, you have to synthesize those. And really, as data analysts, data scientists, too, we should be doing that. But it's eating your vegetables. Like people don't necessarily want to think in these more abstract ways because that's just not how we're wired. I like that idea of healthy tension because I think in journalism, I think that, you know, our our deadlines are obviously very different. And mm-hmm. then sort of the, the the sort of space is very different. And I think there is that tension to like want to get the story right, but also want to make sure that it's not 
all cauliflower. I think that was the struggle. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and yet, and one of the common themes that we've had with a lot of the conversations that we've had is just trying to communicate uncertainty in the context of scientific studies. And with, mm-hmm. within, it's it's a lot harder story to tell when there's there's fuzz, mm-hmm. when there's uncertainty and variability in in this. And the the article I was talking about that drove me up the wall, part of what was infuriating to me was that it was asking for a, such a small level of uncertainty for a decision that didn't need that level of rigor. You know, it was like, hey, we're not talking about like life or death here. We're talking about someone just saying like, yeah, this thing seems like a problem. And so it's like, even if you get people on board for uncertainty, there's still the nuance of like, well is this a civil trial where you just need like clear and convincing evidence or is this criminal where it needs to be beyond a reasonable doubt? Like that's very, it's just, it's literally hard. Like this stuff is uh, inherent complexity. Like it's not, it's not just complex for complex sake. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Roger and Hillary, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's been wonderful it's to sort of hear about treat. your process and think about how I'm going to do lo- a lot less work now, Oh, John. yeah. Way to go. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, Roger. You've... You're welcome. <laughs> Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.